there is no regulatory authority over it. It's like the Wild West. It is kind of like, and I hate to use the term because institutions would not like, it's like a pawn shop. It's your haggling over how much is my asset worth. That was Heston native and Dallas businessman Brad Hepner in a January 26th interview talking about his latest venture, a TEFI, or a technology-enabled fiduciary financial institution. Last year, Kansas lawmakers approved a bill allowing TEFIs, although few in the State House understood what one was or how it worked. Hepner's vision includes investments in rural Kansas and attracted support from local and state officials. But a three-month Kansas Reflector investigation, spearheaded by editor Sherman Smith, raised an array of questions, from the company's business model to the likelihood of any small towns benefiting at all. Joining me today for the Kansas Reflector podcast are Sherman and columnist Max McCoy, who also wrote about Hepner and Beneficient on Sunday. My name is Clay Wirestone. I'm the Reflector's opinion editor, and welcome to you both. Thank you, Clay. Thanks, Clay. So, Sherman, let's just start out, given that you uh, spent a lot of time reporting and investigating this story what to you is the biggest takeaway about what's happening in Kansas with this so-called uh, TEFI uh, project? Yeah, it's a, a big kind of complex issue, but at the heart of it is the willingness of Kansas legislators and the, the Democratic governor's uh, administration to hand over a, a charter to a financial institution to deal exclusively in these kind of risky alternative asset trades without having to undergo the normal examination that a, a bank or a trust company would to determine whether it's safe to do business with them. And the catch was that Kansas was gonna get two and a half percent of all of these transactions for rural development. Uh, but I think there are questions now about that two and a half percent, how much of that is gonna be in actual money and how much of it are just in assets that are valued at that, that amount. I think there are also questions now because of lawsuits that have been filed about the past business dealings of Brad Hepner, the Heston native who's behind this, this business called Beneficent, who came to Kansas and, and compelled everybody to hand him this charter. And um, Max, you kind of wrote the column that accompanied Sherman's story on Sunday um, and you drew some interesting comparisons in talking about kind of this business model. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Well, it's a business model that nobody seems to understand. This is the thing that struck me that, that really of all the, the people that I talked to in Heston and elsewhere, going all the, all the way up to the Kansas bank commissioner, they could not adequately explain uh, Ben's business model, Ben for Beneficent. So, um, and the story, I think, is not just that, not just that people don't understand it, but that people have been willing to um, get on board. And this is everyone from the city administrator of Heston, uh, who seems like a very nice guy, by the way, uh, to a bipartisan coalition of the legislature, to the governor of the state, on board with this idea that there will be free money uh, coming for economic development. To me, the story seems like it's a, a, a cautionary tale about the moral risk of 
accepting this kind of free money and not asking where really the money is coming from, who's on the other side. Uh, and there just is not enough daylight between the regulators and the regulated. It's a remarkable story of the influence of wealth and the promise of wealth and uh, really an amazing lack of curiosity on the part of lawmakers and others to ask the questions, to do the diligence needed. The red flags were there all along. Um, now they're just flapping a little more forcefully. Um, but Sherman, something that your story makes clear is that you know, there were a few kind of voices in the wilderness, so to speak, about this. And yeah. the state banking commissioner in particular raised some uh, yeah. raised some concerns. Dave Herndon is the Kansas State Bank Commissioner. And, you know, the, the first time this comes up in a legislative committee last year, really late in the, the regular session, the bank commissioner stands in front of the Senate panel and says, I, I have a lot of concerns about this, you know, they, they don't have to be held to the same conflict of interest standards. Uh, I can't look at their books. They don't even have audited financials, apparently. Uh, they are affiliated with this company that seems to be in trouble. And uh, I, I just don't understand how this is going to work. You know, as, as Max said, the bank commissioner told the legislature, I've talked to financial experts all over the country and nobody understands this business plan. Uh, and even after the legislation is passed as a pilot program, he comes back in December, six months later, uh, for an oversight committee hearing and makes these same, same concerns heard again. You know, I still don't have audited financials. The FBI refuses to do a background check. Uh, we, we just don't know what's going on here. And legislators tell him in, in no uncertain terms you will give him this charter as required in the legislation. And they took a, a vote in the committee that day to, to really force that issue before the end of the calendar year. Yeah, and, and Sherman, not to get too into the weeds so early here, but it's also clear from your story that this money that's supposedly going to rural development is not you know, accruing in some bank account that yeah. rural communities can just dip into whenever they want, right? Yeah, nobody said up front that, by the way, the, the charity that he's giving this money to is his own charity that he's creating just to collect this money. Uh, but beyond that, it's, you know, commerce, the Department of Commerce gets just a, a little bit of this Money. They said in January that just the transactions they did in a single day produced enough money that they could hand over $15 million. Uh, but it, the Department of Commerce just last week, as I was finishing this story, finally got their $2.7 And then there's about $748,000 that were delivered to this foundation that Hefner created to serve Heston. But the rest of it is actually just assets that are valued at this, you know, roughly 12 million left over. And there's no guarantee that those assets will ever accrue any cash. If they do, uh, Hepner told me in an interview, it could be four to seven years before they start to produce cash that could then be turned over. And who knows what, what kind of amounts that would be. Yeah, so, so Sherman, let's just um, for a moment here, go back. One of the things your story makes very clear is that this, um, this situation has been unfolding for a while, at least a year, if, if actually a little bit longer. So when did this come on to your radar uh, as a reporter, as a journalist, and what made you interested in pursuing it the way you did? 
I was sitting in a Senate Republican caucus meeting on March 31st, 2021. Uh, It's not that I kept that date in my memory, but I had to go back through my audio to find it. But, you know, I record these meetings and in the middle of this, Senator Jeff Longbine, a Republican from Emporia, who's on the finance committee, he's the chair of that committee. He starts talking about this bewildering kind of program that nobody even in his caucus could understand. And there were some questions about it, but the the pitch was really like, this is just going to be for rich people uh, parking high-end investments. It could be a Picasso, he said, uh, so that they can get cash when they need it. You know, nobody here is going to understand it, but just know that we're going to get a bunch of money for rural development. And, you know, some of the questions were like, what, why Heston? You know, they, they made it so that hypothetically other Tuffies could come into the state and they would be limited to rural opportunity zones, which Heston is not actually part of because it's too close to Wichita, about 40 minutes away. And so he, you know, he says, well, it's because mom lives there and he who has the money makes the rules. And I just thought this was a very weird thing that did not smell right to me. And so I just made a point of keeping an eye on it as it went through the process and few people were asking any questions. And you you finally got in touch with, uh, with Brad Hepner in, in January for kind of an interview that began this process. So what kind of right. brought that about? I covered a hearing in early January where the bank commissioner appeared before legislators and said, yeah, I gave him the charter, but uh, I'm still worried about some of these things. You know, the FBI still, they they won't even tell me why they're not doing the background check, I think was kind of the gist of it. Or maybe they'd sent a letter saying they were uncomfortable with the legislation. And so I wrote a short little story about that, that got the attention of uh, Beneficent. And they very quickly kind of put me in touch with Mr. Hepner to explain what a, a great thing this program was going to be for the state of Kansas. Um, and um, likely not not expecting that the reporting process would be quite as quite as uh, thorough or lengthy as it has been. <laughs> well, that was, that conversation it was about an hour long conversation, and you know there are just so many things in there to to really follow up on. It that was really the start of pursuing this in, in earnest and really trying to understand what what is a TEFI and where's this $15 million? Let's listen to how Hepner tells the story of how his mother convinced him to bring the TEFI to Kansas. This is from his January 26th interview with Sherman. Mom said, I got to hang up because I got about an hour or two round trip drive. It's icy outside. I got to drive to Newton to get groceries. The grocery store, the last one just closed down. Can't you give me a little bit of that money to reopen the grocery store here in town? And that is when the light bulb went off that, and I asked her right there on the call, I said, mom, can can you figure out and get me some uh, meetings set up with uh, legislators to talk about an idea I have? So Max McCoy, back to you. Uh, you're with us via Zoom, so I can't actually see your face right now. But um, you have, uh, you know, spent the better part of two years writing columns for the Reflector. You kind of stepped away as a weekly columnist a little bit ago, um, but you uh, joined up with uh, Sherman to visit Heston uh, to kind of uh, get your take on on this story. What what kind of interested you when you heard from Sherman about this, and when you you first uh, started to look into it yourself? Well, I was glad to uh, come on board as part of a, a special project, and uh, it was great to work with Sherman 
when he told me about the story, of course, I was a little familiar with it. And he said, hey, you want to go to Heston with me and, and we can ask some questions? And I said, absolutely, I'm in. Uh, there's really no substitute for visiting a place and, uh, and, and gathering background, trying to understand it. Uh, so that trip really, we gathered a lot of information and some of the information um, that uh, some of the interviews we did, particularly with uh, the city administrator in Heston, he kept talking about, well, you know, they could have gone to South Dakota and that uh, Brad had said this. And so that stuck in my mind. Uh, then I heard the story about how Brad uh, had wanted to bring a grocery store back to town uh, because his elderly mother had to drive an ungodly amount to get groceries since uh, there was no grocery store there any longer. And I think in um, the interview with Sherman, Brad actually called it uh, a food desert, which it is not. Uh, so that stuck in my mind. Uh, so those were, were, were really valuable. And what came through most of all in the interview with the city, man, city administrator and others was the trust that people have put in Brad Hepner. His family is from Heston, uh, goes way back to the 19th century on his mother's side. His, his, his mom uh, still lives there. Uh, Hepner lives uh, uh, near Dallas on a 1,500-acre uh, ranch with a couple of helipads now, uh, but he comes back often. Uh, but the story about Brad wanting to bring a grocery store back to Heston. This is the thing that seemed to energize people. And it's such an American success story. Imagine this, you know, you leave Heston, uh, you go to college, you uh, get into finance, you work for Goldman Sachs, uh, um, you're apparently doing well, and then you want to come back and give back to the community. And in doing so, uh, you bring economic development, you bring a grocery store back uh, so that your mother and others can shop there. And you have this vision for downtown which recreates downtown as sort of a, a destination with uh, a charming restaurant and recreated mills and a museum. Uh, and really what Hepner was selling was a dream. He was selling the American dream and the people of Heston, at least most of those we talked to were on board with this. And there didn't seem to be a lot of concern about exactly how the Teffy operated. And that, that name Teffy, it's a cute name, but it really doesn't mean a whole hell of a lot. Um, the technology uh, enhanced part, as far as I can tell, and this is what the bank commissioner told me as well, it just means that they use the internet like the rest of us. Uh, there's no special instrument, there's no special device. Uh, they're setting up trusts, which are, um, somewhat problematic to regulate. Um, and the other thing is that so much influence has been spread by Hepner and his company. Um, campaign donations on both sides of the aisle. Um, promises of money from a, a private foundation and a, and a public charity that's uh, supposed to get part of this 2.5% in fees, uh, et cetera. And really trust is what this scheme runs on and in look the more you look at it the more well disturbed i think people will be and the thing that i keyed on that south dakota part uh, and i kept thinking about south dakota and then it became clear to me that well why south dakota well south dakota was the the first state in the nation 
uh, to loosen banking regulations and attracted, well, the Citibank uh, operation, nationwide credit cards, uh, no cap on interest rates, uh, Delaware soon followed. And the description of what the vision for Heston is, if you listen carefully to what Hepner and others have said, is really not just economic development for a little town, but also to turn Kansas into a kind of a South Dakota and Heston into the Teffy capital of the world. The consequences of that remain unseen. The bank commissioner is unsure if it will work. Um, I'm unsure if it will work. It might work, but we really might not want it to work uh, considering what unintended consequences it could have. You know, Max, I, I had actually talked to some financial people at, at universities around the country for this story, and, and a couple I mentioned just in passing in the story, but some of the things that they talked about were how unrealistic uh, Hepner's description of the, the Tepe industry would be, the idea that it could bring trillions, trillions of dollars into Kansas. You know, they make the point that the really, really rich people that he's talking about, they don't need cash that often, uh, and if they did did want to go park their investments somewhere. There are other ways to do that with organizations that are fully regulated uh, and maybe viewed as safer by their whoever's handling their investments. One of the guys told me, uh, I would be very surprised if rich people even know that this Tuffy exists. And, and so I think it's just, you know, there's a lot of exaggerations here from how far mom would have to drive to get groceries <laughs> to how much money these Tuffies are going to bring in. The other yeah, thing that I... Yeah, I thought it was really interesting about the the trip to Heston. We we started by going into the beneficent office. We were greeted cordially at the front desk and told that one of the the people would would speak with us, but he wasn't there at the moment. And so we walked over to talk to the city manager, and we came back maybe forty five minutes later, and it was a much more hostile greeting. Uh, the guy is not going to be here. He's not going to talk to you. You know, some uh, <laughs> gruff looking people with arms crossed in doorways. Uh, telling us that any questions would have to go through Dallas. And then I think at, at one point during lunch, we looked over and saw that uh, one of them was sitting there at a table across the, the room staring at us, which could have been a coincidence, but it just felt like they were keeping an eye on us in town. And some of the people we talked to were kind of looking out their doors. We left wondering if anybody saw us going in to, to speak with them. <laughs> well, we definitely got the cold shoulder. And something that uh, Hepner had told you earlier, uh, his analogy, uh, that Teffies were a pawn shop for rich people. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. He certainly has a, has a way of telling a story and uh, putting things that, that seem to, in a way that, that seems to make sense, but it really doesn't hold up. Well, and I think uh, both Max and Sherman, one of the things that really struck me as, you know, I was, I would, discuss sometimes uh, Sherman's work as he was developing it over the weeks was just as you learn more and more about kind of the network of companies that are involved with this, the more you see little pieces that are curious or that really would kind of snag on my mind. For instance, the notion that one of these associated companies with Beneficent, not Beneficent itself, but but one that's, that was connected uh, essentially had a business of buying life insurance policies from older uh, people for cash and then essentially gambling on when they would die. The idea being that they would, you know, then continue to make the payments 
uh, for these life insurance policies and then collect when these uh, folks passed on that they'd made made payments to. Yeah, there. this is uh, talked about in one of the lawsuits that have been filed against GWG Holdings. That was a company that uh, Hepner ran for a while that was closely connected with Beneficent. And it was a company that dealt exclusively in this kind of trade where uh, they, they, as the lawsuit says, they were trying to identify people who were over the age of 65 that they they thought would die within 10 years. And so I think there's a very big difference between coming to the legislature and saying, you know, my mom needs groceries and I'm going to build her a grocery store and telling them, you know, I, uh, I've been doing business with this company that places bets on when grandma's going to die. And there's a lot of money to be made here for me personally. Uh, I'll set some of the assets aside into a trust that might give you some money someday. Well, and and we also see that essentially the way that this legislation has been written and passed in Kansas, there is essentially no legal authority for the banking commissioner to really ask the kind of questions or demand the kind of records that you would expect, uh, you know, officials would be able to do for almost any other kind of financial institution. And the banking commissioner has made this clear in uh, recent correspondence with legislators. Uh, I was able to obtain some some letters to and from the bank commissioner, as well as some emails. And he says very clearly the the ball is in the legislature's courts that uh, under the legislation, as he understands it, he does not have the authority to shut down this program. Well, and, and Sherman, something else here, too, is that your story makes it clear that legislators really... I mean, went for this legislation almost entirely enthusiastically, with perhaps Mm -hmm. a a couple of exceptions, and really not thinking about or saying that they didn't care about any sort of, you know, reputational risk or other risks to the state. Well, it was really billed as a risk-free proposition. Kansas has no financial risk at stake here, and Kansas stands to gain a lot of money in terms of the the two and a half percent that goes to rural development. And so even the legislators who legislators who expressed concerns about this um, or or were confused about how this was going to operate were were willing to get behind the idea of free money. Uh, This passed 39 to zero in the Senate and 103 to 20 in the House. Well, and I I think it's it's important, you know, based on what Max was just saying here that this was a bipartisan effort in the in the state house. You know, there's only really a few times each session when you can count on all the Democrats and all the Republicans basically working together on something. You saw it a little bit earlier in this session with the, you know, the mystery mega project and a giant tax incentive uh, package that went through. And I, it, it seems like you almost saw a similar thing with the Teffy bill, that it was a, yeah. you know, it was both parties really feeling like we have to get in on this opportunity now. Yeah, the governor signed the bill. It's consistent with uh, really a cornerstone of her reelection campaign, which is touting her economic development abilities. The lieutenant governor, David Toland, who's also the commerce secretary, uh, appeared before the legislature and said, we've We've looked uh, at at this from every way we possibly can, trying to find a catch, and we couldn't find any kind of liability to the state. Yeah, and and Clay, I think, what does this say about us as a state, that this is where our lawmakers put their bipartisan energy into in these 
opaque business deals that are, are, are secret, the public never really understands them. Uh, and look how many other pressing issues we have. And, and, and this, is, this is what our lawmakers are doing. Uh, they're going after the easy money. It's just, uh, it's incredible to me. So we have um, this story from Sherman, the column from Max that are out. Um, we've, uh, both of you have spent some real time on this, Sherman probably more than anyone else, uh, going into the ins and, out of the ins and outs of this. But I mean, this is still really a developing story. So from each of you, kind of what are you watching for next? What are you, what are you, what are you interested in as, as this all continues with Beneficent, uh, Brad Hepner, Teffies, et cetera? You know, I'm curious to see how some of the, the, legal, the legal issues play out. I'm, I'm curious to see this SEC investigation, whether the kind of the circle tightens around Hepner. Uh, Beneficent tells me that, you know, they've been in this kind of four-year at least saga of not being able to produce audited financial statements. They tell me that they've hired an accountant in March and that he'll he'll definitely have the books in order by July. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, I wonder if the legislature is willing to take another look at this, if maybe the governor is willing to distance herself, or maybe there's another interpretation that allows the banking commissioner to pull the plug on it. Uh, but I'm also curious about this $15 million that was set aside and whether that ever becomes cash that is actually invested in something in Kansas. Absolutely. Um, One of the things I'll, I'll be looking for is, is there any evidence of global investment in the TEFI? Um, Hepner in the interview that he gave Sherman stressed that uh, their clients would be American, from uh, American wealth centers, uh, Boston, LA, Chicago, et cetera. Uh, but in talking to Herndon, the bank commissioner, he said there's, there's no law that, that prevents global investment. So I'm gonna be watching that, uh, that fairly close because it worries me. Uh, because one of the ways that I think this scheme could work is that if it uh, provided a tax shelter or money laundering uh, operation for global investors. Now, I don't have evidence of that, but that's one of the things that I think bears watching. The other thing I'll be looking for is community reaction in Heston. Uh, you know, we talked to this very earnest uh, retiree. His name is Dave Osborne. And he told us uh, that he wrote a letter to the local newspaper uh, wanting answers. Um, uh, trying to understand how the Teffies work, and he just had a lot of concern about it. Uh, so I'll be looking for community reaction and, and see if that, um, uh, see if this story doesn't stir some more community interest in in asking the hard questions that that need to be asked. You know, Representative Stephen Owens, the Republican uh, from Heston. He appeared at this news conference to celebrate the passage of the law last April, and he said in an interview there uh, that this was going to bring in money from Hong Kong and Russia. Uh, now, when I asked Beneficent about that, they said they were not doing business with Russia, but as Max says, there's, there's no way that anybody would ever know if they were. Uh, we just have to take them at their word for it. Okay, well... Uh, Sherman, Max, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, installment of the Kansas Reflectors Technology Enabled Journalism Exchange Platform, also known as a podcast. 
Uh, thank you both. Thank Thanks, you. Clay.